spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. Were you waiting long in the admit room? No, no, okay. like 20 seconds. I, I did, did you uh, just pop it? Yes, but I, I'm so novice to Zoom even two years in that I forget that that's a mechanic and I just expect people will show up. I don't have any kind of rank in this world where I, I should have the authority to, to have the Zoom keys. <laughs> no, the the because um, you see, like Matt Slaney has entered the the room, right? Yeah, but it's like a tiny little widget at the top of the screen, and I always forget to look for it. Oh no, I'm sure you probably see it as soon as it pops up. It seems like something that you're like, you're like, oh wait, they're here now. But I feel like you, if it's in front of you, you inherently see it as soon as it pops up. Right. Exactly. Speaking of having rank, and this is a hell of a segue. Imagine <laughs> not being worthy of uh, British military credentials and you're the queen's son, but you're still the namesake of a high school in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, uh, attended by yours truly. Yeah, how do you feel about uh, being a, a descendant of, of Prince Andrew Junior High or an alum? It's disgusting. I mean, like, I've been, <laughs> I've been blowing this horn for a couple years at this point, and, like, I don't spend that much time thinking about the name of my school, and in fact... I think the name of your school, unless you actually go to a school that's like named after the town in which you live, um, mm -hmm. I think generally when it's just some random person's name, you stop thinking about how there's a person associated with that name. It's just kind of the name of the school. Like I kind of forgot, not literally, but like it doesn't really occur to you that Prince Andrew is even a person, much less the queen's son. I'm sure I didn't know he was the queen's son when I went there. I just figured, yeah, no. there's, a, there's a prince named Andrew somewhere. I'm not sure. Go ahead. It seems way too current, doesn't it? Like there's there's not a, a prince there's not going to be a Prince William High. No, and as a rule, I think we don't name schools after people anymore for that particular for like mm -hmm. exactly that reason. Um, and uh, you're right, the school is like 60 years old, and <laughs> he's like 60, which means they named the high school after the royal baby when they built the school, and they probably thought, well, he hasn't done anything wrong yet. He's so innocent. Yeah, he's... What an insane premise. <laughs> they should. They could go like Betty White High. Well, you never know what we might dig up from her past. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> as long as you're not following the the Beach Boys advice of be true to your school, then I think you're um, you're probably fine. The thing is, our community also has precedent for this because last year we renamed Sir John A to something more appropriate, and so like. I don't know who's dragging their heels about this, but I can't friggin' understand why people aren't more mad. Like, the queen is ashamed of her son, and we're like, oh yeah, come on over to this PTA meeting at Prince Andrew High. It's actually like becoming a joke from Family Guy now. Is it really they make in front of him on, on Family Guy? No, 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 not actually, but like... Oh, just, James you know, Woods High. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, But that's even more innocuous. It's like, like basically like the joke on steroid would be like Jeffrey Epstein Academy. Yeah. And I think when they came up with the idea of James Woods high, the idea was naming a building after a person is meaningless. Um, because here's just like a random character actor who you don't really think about very often. It was definitely before we knew that he was like a pretty terrible person, like politically. And like, he has like a 21 year old girlfriend or something completely, um, repulsive Gross. um i think at the time he was just like 
well, to me, he was just the voice of Hades, and he was probably like in some procedural crime TV or whatever. But uh, right, yeah, it takes on a whole new meaning. I guess it's similar in that you know enough time goes by, and eventually you'll be disgusted by the namesake of your school. <laughs> That's our, our our namesake. I think was a was a color Auburn. Really, is that what like Auburn comes from? Was it is it on like Auburn Drive? No, I'm sure that it is on Auburn Drive. I'm, maybe that's, but there's obviously some meaning behind Auburn Drive too. I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. I think you're safe. I don't think the color Auburn's going to get canceled. <laughs> Sorry to come so hot off of this. I was just on Twitter like 30 seconds before we were uh, podcasting and that was the last thing I saw and I got all riled up again. That's fair. Totally fair. I'd be ashamed too. How are you? How's your week going? Week's going good um productive not a lot of caffeine just the caffeines from my my diet pepsi i've been on the decafs and they've kind of been saving my life okay. like last week i actually just didn't even have decaf coffee so i was like just not getting even the taste of coffee that's a really good point like maybe the placebo of having a, a decaf will or just like the ritual of having your morning coffee with less less caffeine in it is like is a good way to wean yourself off the bean like i think i'm off of I'm at this point, like I'm not in caffeine withdrawal anymore. Like okay. at this time last week when we were doing the show, I was almost full. Like I could shut my eyes and fall asleep right now. And it wasn't because of the content we were talking about. It was, it was just <laughs> like, I'm dragging right now. Really, really well, don't have that pick me up. And you understand that there is caffeine in decaf coffee, right? There is caffeine in decaf coffee and there's caffeine. There's like 35 milligrams of caffeine in diet Pepsi. Yeah. So there's probably, two of those a day. there's so probably yeah. more caffeine in diet Pepsi than there is in decaf. Like there's very, very little, there's just not none because it had to be removed. Yeah. I, I wonder what the percentage would be compared to an actual coffee. Probably like 1%. Yeah. I think, I think it's incredibly small yeah. um, because it's decaf. It's not no calf. It's like it had the caffeine in it and they somehow found a way to extract that. Uh, I know yeah. we just talked about this last week, but like, remind me again, like why it's so important that you not be addicted to coffee a little bit. It's not, it's not, it was, it was more because of like an infection that I'm dealing with that. Right. Okay. I'm sorry to bring it up again. Yeah. No, that's okay. 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 Um, so, uh, anyways, I, I want to start the show. This is, this is pertinent and also personal. I'm trying to, I think we should try to end this within the hour because I want to watch the finale of Station Eleven so badly. The last couple of episodes have delivered on such a high level. Okay, um, and I think you, I really want to to push you to to go back and watch it. There is some gore, but it's not like you know, like it's not over the top. It's not Yellow Jacket score. I can probably handle it. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's it's not Yellow Jacket score. Okay, I look. I was I wasn't turned off at the show. I was a little wary about the idea of watching like a viral pandemic show, but I actually saw a headline today which was compelling, something to the effect of how Station Eleven managed to write a pandemic show that wasn't utterly depressing. And I was like, oh, interesting. Yes. Okay, because that is why I was nervous. Yeah, really, like the the pandemic is the cause for all of these people kind of like being off on their own thing. But there's no like. Like twenty, it's twenty years down the road, right? So there's no like lingering sickness to sure. our knowledge at that point. Okay, sold. And you you sold me on another show uh, earlier today. You said you were watching uh, the sex lives of of teenage girls. Is that what it's called? 
sex lives of college girls to make ah, that a little a little less prince a little less prince andrew <laughs> um so uh so yeah we uh jen wanted to watch it because she knew it was a mindy it's, show a, it's that, a mindy joint yeah yeah and um wasn't expecting a whole lot from it i kind of like obliged jen and watching it but uh it ended up being really really quite funny like not I would say like a little more crass than never have I ever. It's like never have I ever all grown up a little bit. Okay, that's good. Interesting partnership. I guess I forgot about her tie-in to never have I ever. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, I I see some similarities, but it's 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 got its own voice. The first episode I found was like really like the whole setup is like all the parents dropping their kids off at at college, and it's really like going into like clearly this is the the person that that everyone is and it's really kind of hammering that home a, a little too strong like i wasn't really sure after the first episode but it had yeah. enough laughs to like continue on and after that i thought it was great okay good and it's on crave i can watch that right yeah good i definitely yeah. will you back you'd like it you find it funny well the other adjacent content i've been consuming is uh the last few episodes of pen 15 so they're only doing oh, nice. this run and then they're done i still have i think five more maybe it's three more that i haven't seen yet but uh <laughs> it's funny because that it's kind of like big mouth and that you get a little time away from it and you come back and you're like oh i remember liking this show and it's not like i've forgotten why but i'm like clutching the cushions a little bit more i'm like i think as time goes by i'm just like rapidly becoming more of a prude and also just less comfortable with things i'm watching being this right. daring because it's really uh really unvain <laughs> these characters and they've also grown to be especially maya really grown to be not that likable which is uh a great devotion to the work because when you're 14 years old you're probably not likable by a 30 year old standards uh, and so they're really committed to the bit but it's like it's a slog sometimes because it's so cringy yeah i had a <laughs> i had a an experience where I was watching a show and someone on the show said grade eight was like the craziest year of my life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's not, it's not far off. No, you're an animal in grade eight. It's, it's well, like this guy was like, I would literally do whatever you told me to do in grade eight. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember how we used to treat substitute teachers when we were 14? Oh my God. Yeah, of course. What a nightmare! I was I was thinking like what a what a thankless job it is to be a junior high teacher. Oh yeah. And I remember at one point I was like, if I ever become a teacher, I'm going to be a junior high teacher, almost as like a because it was like the kind of like lowest point of my life. Yeah. I'm going to go back to be like, hey kids, <laughs> it'll be all right, kind of thing. Well, yeah. If I remember correctly, there was like three tiers of junior high teacher. There was completely unable to control the class and usually as a product of their being too sweet like they care too much about their students mm -hmm. and they just really don't have the capacity to discipline this particular breed of beast which is yeah. like blossoming young teenager and then there's like either that or they were like lazy and like here's here's a movie we're watching today. some of some of those for sure yeah maybe they tie in together then there was like the teacher who's a good teacher but part of the reason they were able to maintain respect is because they were a little scary like there was something like mm. a, a little bit like uh deliberately intimidating about that kind of a teacher and then a branch off of them was somebody who was controlling and could be stern if they had to be but they were also like cool guy and i always thought like it's it's both so hard and 
so embarrassing to be a cool teacher in junior high <laughs> to be <Yeah>. like <laughs> Call me Mr. S. to have cracked the code to be likable by like a 14 year old standard is both exactly what you need to be successful in that job and also horrifying <laughs> yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah connecting that and i feel like the further away we get from it the more we'd be like what what are you guys like <laughs> yeah Oh, I can't even imagine now. It would be like talking to, well, wild animals. Yeah. To torch yeah, the metaphor. 100%. We both watched um, uh, The Tender Bar, right? We both saw that. We, we, we shared, shared a very brief interaction about it, but I think it was clear that I was a tremendous fan. Yes. And did I get the sense that you were not? No, no. I, I liked it. I thought it was good. Uh, it went on a little longer than I kind of thought it would. It kind of felt um, long. Like it was only a 90 minute movie, but I was like, this feels like a, like a two fifteen. Yeah. Like I, I kind of thought once we, once we got old, um, old guy, we were get it was going to kind of quickly get to the, get to the end. Yeah. Like he, he got into Yale and I kind of thought that was going to be like, that's it. And I also thought that the narration was like, I guess necessary because it was a memoir and it was supposed to be his voice, but there was something like about it that felt too wonder years to me. Oh, the movie or was like totally maybe, the wonder years. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was kind of also like Sandlot. Like my uncle Charlie was the kind of uncle that you want to have around. Right. It's just like, I thought that the movie, you could literally watch that movie without the narration and you would get every single thing in it. You'd get every note. Absolutely. It's totally clear that he really looks up to his Uncle Charlie. That doesn't need to be exposed for us. Yeah. I almost feel like they did it after the fact. Yeah. Well, and I think you're right, too. I think they want to bring in the voice of the... Because it's like famously a memoir. And that's really my only criticism with the writing is that they're really driving home that, by the way, this is a memoir. And like, yeah. that's not necessary. You don't, you made a movie. You don't have to constantly remind us that it's a book. Like, like you think that movies are inferior to books. If you believe that, don't make the movie. Um, right. Although it's also like a movie about people who really like books. So I guess that that point is already clear that you think movies are inferior to books. So I don't know. I'm, I'm in a I'm in a tailspin about it. The other thing that I found kind of kind of odd is that similar to you, I thought the movie would end soon after he grew up. And I was just kind of sad to see the kid go. Like, I, I was really, like, yeah. kind of growing to like this kid so much. And then he kind of stops being the lead in the movie. And the older kid was good. They look nothing alike. I don't need to be too nitpicky about that. But what was interesting to me is that he really had, older JR, had a real Matt Damon energy to me. He's not as handsome uh -huh. as, as Matt Damon. He's not, like, dreamy like Matt Damon. But particularly, like, Will Hunting, he had a sort of, like, blue collar genius Matt Damon quality, which is funny because Affleck is just playing Chucky from Goodwill Hunting if he was middle aged. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah, not a Boston movie, smarter, but it is a Boston movie. Chucky. Yes, he is a more yeah. well read Chucky, yeah. Yeah. I think the the low key thing you're supposed to get in it is everyone in that family is a genius, but like the only one to actually like go after it was the son. It, it just was such a feel-good movie. Like, they kind of threaten you a little bit with breaking your heart, and they they know that they just want you to stay safe on a Friday night and, like, watch this movie, and, like, you can watch it again and again. That's what I meant when I said to you, I'm going to watch this movie 10 times, because there's going to be so yeah. many days where I need to just watch The Tender Bar. 
Nice. I, I love the I love the bar itself. I love the, oh. the people in the bar. I thought that was great there. How they were always like, I, I got your uh what was I'm backing you. Yeah, I'm backing him. Yeah. Oh, can yeah. you imagine if the Dickens was real? And it and by the way, it's only just full of these like old bastards who know a lot about like James Joyce or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> For no reason. Yeah. Like it's it's inexplicable. They're all like they all seem like they're like gambling addicts, but like and alcoholics, but they're super well read Affleck was like so cool in this movie he had like similarly to me anyway to Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood like he's playing this guy who's like kind of like a low life but he just had he exudes so much likability and like I think it's it's the kind of character that like guys will have guy crushes on more so than like women will find him like so desirable because he is kind of a loser in this movie but I just had such a man crush on Affleck in this movie I thought he was like the coolest there's something so redemptive when you see a character that you admire get his ass kicked so earnestly like yeah it's like almost like welcomes a fight it's uh, it's like uh robert Downey jr and kiss kiss bang bang there's like a scene where sure. he's like all right let's let's fight and then he just like gets his ass kicked so quickly the other movie i watched uh was encanto i finally saw that the new disney movie oh what'd you think so encanto is for sure the best non-Pixar Disney movie since Moana. I think it might be better than Moana. Uh, oh, wow. And and I and like the songs are really good in Moana and it's easy to compare them because they're both Lynn songs. I think the songs are way better in Encanto. There's this wow. song in Encanto called We Don't Talk About Bruno and it is it is like part of your world, be our guest. Like it is it, it has the full capacity to be a classic. It is perfect. And it's such no a way. such a groove. It's really sweet movie. Um, it, it, this isn't spoiling it, but it's it's really nice that they don't follow the quest format. Like about forty minutes in, I'm yeah. like, when's she gonna go off on her adventure? And then I realize, oh well, nobody promised you an adventure. You're just kind of like conditioned by the formula of Disney movies. This entire right. movie takes place in her house, and it it like oh, it's crazy. a completely full story. Yeah. I love it. There's also that show, that movie, and I do want to watch that. And Eternals is also out on Disney Plus, by yeah. the way. So we got to catch up on that. But um, the, although I guess you said you didn't even really care about Marvel movies after the final Spider Man. It's true. I got to see Spider Man. Uh, everything else is kind of like losing interest. Okay. I, like I, there are, I haven't seen Black Widow. I, I haven't seen Shang Chi. Like right. there are movies I would see before Eternals. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Okay, so what were we just talking about before? Uh, I said, okay, it, I said Canto. Canto, yeah. What, what's that? What's that movie that's taking place in Toronto? That's gonna. It's a Pixar movie. Yeah, I, forget I don't. What it's called. I, I forget too. Um, I don't know what the ETA is on that movie, or if it's going to be a Disney Plus drop. I, I think it's not because we're the studios are clearly moving back towards a very proud only in theaters release. Yeah, yeah, I. I don't know. I got a feeling it's Disney Plus, but we'll find out. By the way, uh, I two, think it's called like Turning Red, Seeing Red. Two movies coming out only in theaters very boastfully by the trailers that I think is a huge mistake. The Downton Abbey movie and the Bob's Burgers movie. Both of them in their trailer, they're like only in theaters. And I'm like, you're idiots. You need to stream those first things. First of all, first of all, you were TV shows to begin with. Yes, right. <laughs> like what? what is the point of that? There's a pandemic. I'm going to one movie a year. Frig off. It's not going to be the... I love Bob's Burgers. You got to stream that movie. Give me a break. Yeah. Neither neither of these movies do we have to see on a huge screen. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> when I went to the last Downton Abbey movie, 
Um, it was a packed theater. And I'll never forget, the guy next to me brought spaghetti for his movie snack. <laughs> he had a glass Tupperware and he like is ruffling through his bag. In fact, I think he had like three courses. I think he had like a salad and then spaghetti and then dessert. And like one <laughs> after another. Parmesan shaker with him? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I think he had a pepper grinder. It was absurd what he was like, just like hauling out of this bag. And I was cracking up next to him. And I mean, like, I kind of wish he saw me crack up because then we could have, like, laughed about how silly it was. I'm not sure it even occurred to him how silly it was that he brought hot spaghetti to a movie theater. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally thinking of, and I might have mentioned this before if you ever told the story, but the Chelsea Peretti special where there's, like, it, like, turns back to the audience and there's, like, dogs, like, nodding their heads <laughs> and stuff. And it's all, like, it's like a clown. And at one point, there's actually, like, a chef, like, eating spaghetti right. and, like, nodding along. <laughs> it was so just like, like that. It was like. It was yeah. just like that. And, uh, I, okay, we wanted to talk about the book of Boba Fett. I've already done a podcast discussing this week's episode. But okay, I was talking to a friend about it today, and I, I maintain a fairly optimistic uh, approach to discussing Star Wars in all of its iterations on the Star Wars podcast. Sure. Um, but what I didn't say is that so far I'm not impressed enough by the book of Boba Fett. And, like, if they don't make a pretty big tonal change... This is going to be one of my bigger post-acquisition disappointments. Yeah, and and I I'll say that going into even even how it ended the the last season of Mandalorian with the kind of like backdoor pilot for Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Um, I was like, how how are they going to do that? What is that going to be? And I don't know if they knew. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's it just seems like there's a character here that we weren't really supposed to know about. And then learning more about his sort of like feelings and how, like how he's actually a good guy. Although he's running like a crime syndicate is the weirdest vibe ever. Well, like in an episode two, they had to give him a religious epiphany to completely recalibrate his ethics. Like, and so, so the Boba Fett, you knew, by the way, he's not really that anymore now this is the book of the new boba fett but it is still called the book of boba fett and so i don't see why we don't go back they keep flashing back to camino when he's a little teenager are you going to tell us anything about the 30 years between when he was a teenager and his dad got decapitated and when he was like basically an old man who got eaten up by the sarlacc like right we can't just like keep flashing back to when he was buddies with the tuscan raiders forever and ever these three episodes could have been two episodes and also, it, it kind of lacks a certain Star Wars quality because there's no intergalactic travel. And, and like, I understand that like most of his story so far takes place on Tatooine. Maybe he'll leave at some point. He does have a pretty cool starship, which I don't think we should not use. It's like one of the few things that is part of his aesthetic is the Slave One ship. Um, yeah. And I don't know. So it just, for that reason, it just feels very um, small potatoes to me and almost like low budget as compared to the Mandalorian. We just use the same three sets over and over again. Yeah. I couldn't believe that. I, I watched like a space moped chase scene last night with the girl from yellow jackets. Like, Genuinely that bad. Was, that was, that was not impressive. No. Like the cuts just seemed like I was like, this is, yeah, it, it, it feels low budget. It was really cliche. A lot of people are comparing that to the chase scene at the start of back to the future too, just because it's like hovercrafts and like it pulls out every <laughs> like, yeah, inner town chase scene cliche. Uh, right. I don't... Where he like smashes into a, a 
uh, box of fruit that falls on him. Yeah, and they all have these like multicolored Ducatis, but they're supposed to be like poor kids. Yeah. I don't know. I I yeah. I think I like I said like it needs to it needs to do some kind of tonal shift and I could get excited again. Like I I want it to be good. And that's a big part of whether or not you'll like something. Another issue is that the guy who plays Boba, Tamara Morrison, he's definitely like trying his best, but I'm not sure he's a leading man. I'm not sure he has the charisma. No. No, he doesn't. And, and like he's I know he's supposed to be I guess older, but like yeah, I, like yeah, I'm gonna come out and say it. he's not sexy enough. Yeah, like, I, not, I see that. Like he, he's not, he's not a. You're right. He's not a leading man. He's not like you don't feel like you're kind of watching like your friend's dad. He is kind of a friend's dad. Yeah, and the friend's yeah. dad, you're like he kind of is like your intimidating math teacher in grade eight. That's right. Crosses his <laughs> arms. Expect more from you. Uh, I know the answer, Mister Fat. <laughs> um the uh so we'll see we'll see where that goes but but yeah way too much time with the tuscan raiders too yeah. why do we need two episodes we, we learned literally like nothing about them i mean i liked the like the ceremonial stuff i liked that they they traded skill sets sort of i thought it was cool when he built his own staff and i think it was kind of moving when he returned and they had been um uh, killed but I think it too long. I took too long for them to tell that. It, they took three episodes to tell the Tuscan relationship story when we already kind of knew he was in with the Tuscans because of his Mando episode. So like, yeah, we we have. I, like I said, I think that a lot of their problems would be fixed if they edited this down and made it two instead of three episodes. Last question about this: What did you think of uh, uh, Chris Chrysanthemum? Yeah, Black Chrysanthemum, the big uh, the big Wookie. I think he's cool. I mean, I, I he's like a fan fiction thing, right? He, yeah, he's he's a, a a character who's existed in other smaller um, content. Uh, yeah, I mean, like my criticism when I talked about it on the other podcast was that like he should join the Boba team because like he needs to build out his crew of like badasses, and they totally. they got uh, custody of him, and then they just like sent him off into the desert. And Ross says canonically his species would clash with the Trandoshans that they can't like coexist. And I'm like, I think that we can probably retcon that. Like, I think that people won't yeah. be picky about that. But I don't know. <laughs> it was it was funny him just running away. My other issue like, is is that uh, we hear so much through the original trilogy that Chewbacca could like tear off your arms in the blink of an eye. And here's a Wookiee yeah. who's twice the size of Chewbacca and twice as hostile. And some teenagers do take him down pretty easily. Yeah, some some 80s gutter punk northern uh, English kids. <laughs> yeah, Joy Division swoops in and takes <laughs> down the... <laughs> oh, you try to take down Boba. I've got a question for you, bruv. Right, my brother's head's exploding right now because I've had all these conversations with him. And, uh, and I, don't know. I, I do like the show, or at least I want to like the show, but I don't like it as much as I'd hoped to. Granted... I'm not heartbroken because it's not like I'll be so sad if the Obi-Wan Kenobi show isn't better than this. And I think it will be, but I'm still like every Wednesday, I'm like, oh yeah, it's Boba Fett day. Like, right. Let's turn it on. Like I still watch that same day. So the, um, the best thing I've watched this week, and this is why okay. the best thing I watched this week was an Instagram live. It's about 25 minutes long and it's John Mayer 
and the comedian Jeff Ross picking up Bob Saget's car from the airport. Oh. You honestly you watch this thing and you can't believe it exists. It's like they made a little movie, but it's completely real. And I do realize it's reality TV I'm watching, but it is this incredibly moving meditation on uh on like love and and John is really like wrestling with um who is entitled to to feel certain amounts of grief like he's talking about like how he he knew Bob Saget for a long time but not as long as other people and he's not sure if it's appropriate to feel certain way or ways or to say certain things knowing that like Bob Saget had so many loved ones and that's the thing you're hearing a lot is that it's insane how much love this guy had to give. Um, yeah. There's this really moving thing where uh, Jeff Ross really badly wants to pay for the parking, which is like 250 bucks. He's like, he really wants to to pay for it. And at first, it, like John's like, he thinks it's just because you want to do things for people when they die. But actually, it's because right. he wants to keep the receipt in his wallet. Uh, anyway, so uh. you can watch this full friggin' thing. And it's just these two guys like in the car laughing a lot but also just like being very uh sad frankly and they say some beautiful things john is really really good at like coming up with metaphors on the spot it's an incredible watch i watched it over lunch today nice i i will definitely watch that i um i saw a nice thing on reddit where it was like because you saw that last post that he made where he was like, I'm like fine in my stride. Like, I'm, I'm in love. The like huge crap. And then I saw a nice thing today that was like, uh, it, 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 it was found that like Bob Saget had like a, a heart attack or a stroke and, yeah. and died in bed, tucked it in, in his yeah. sleep, didn't suffer. Like, so he had a great show, went to bed and like, like loved his family or something. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I saw that. And I guess that's, yeah. that's nice. I hope that's true. Yeah. I don't have any particular connection to Bob Saget, but it is interesting that... Um, you, you didn't watch Full House? I, I mean, of course I watched Full House. And for I, I've watched a lot of How I Met Your Mother, which like he's not in, but right. also he is actually in every episode of it. Um, it. It's just interesting. Like, you don't hear that much about the guy. Like, he's incredibly famous and everybody's heard of him. But like, you don't actually hear about Bob Saget on a daily basis. And then, like, he dies, and suddenly everyone's like, that was my favorite person in the world. And it's very interesting. It's a very interesting uh, um, experience. Uh, It's a very interesting uh, exposure of the idea of how we appreciate people or, like, I don't know these people personally, and it's not their job to talk about the living person, Bob Saget, all the time. But it's like, I, I imagine that there's an element of, like, not appreciating people while they're here. And John Mayer says yeah. that a little bit. He's like, when he's alive and he tells you he loves you in every text, like it's really hard to to not think it's ironic on some level. And then, of course, he's gone. You realize he meant every word. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, that's deep, man. And Robert Durst died. Uh, not relatedly. <laughs> he did die. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a Bob that probably, uh, you know, had it coming a little bit more yeah very different didn't necessarily have as much love to give there right um speaking of that uh there's a show coming out called murderville did you hear about this murderville it's like so it's uh it's kind of like gonna be a netflix improv style show that is kind of run by will arnett and i think he's gonna be in it uh 
So an improvised comedy guest starring people like Kumail and Conan and Sharon Stone. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know if that's like every episode there's going to be a different guest star kind of thing or if they're like going to be in and out throughout the whole thing. Anyway, it's just kind of a, a bit of a novel idea that might be might be something. Yeah, that's really cool. There hasn't been like a lot of like good live comedy to watch on Netflix. Like I know they've kind of cracked the code for how to put out a, a Netflix special in the pandemic, but I haven't like mm-hmm. really uh, I haven't had one really resonate in quite a long time. Right. Um there was a, a Degrassi reboot ordered by HBO Max. Oh my god, wow. But that's not the first they ordered time. It. Yeah. No, probably not. Well, I mean, Drake Drake was the last reboot ordered by Was CBC, he the last one or have they not done like three or four different versions of Degrassi at this point? They might have done well, they did Degrassi Junior High and then it was Degrassi High yeah. and then it was Degrassi the Next Generation and then there was like two movies I think like Degrassi yeah. Takes LA and something else. <laughs> right. Degrassi Viva Las Vegas. Yeah, I actually watched like all of the original like Junior High and and High. I think it was on like After School Special style. I've never seen an episode but, of Degrassi. No way. No, I, I probably would have liked it because I like that soapy drama stuff, but I, I have totally. never seen it. There was something weird about watching the originals. Like it was so just like authentic and like yeah. kind of bad, but like like raw like spikes like i'm having a baby and this girl's like i'm getting an abortion like how are we watching this as like it was like an after school thing on cbc well that's what i found in the first couple of seasons of watching dawson's creek before it like became this big institution and the writing was better in the early seasons of dawson's creek but the production quality was really poor like they didn't know how to hide mic packs you saw a boom in like every other scene um yeah and then like as the production quality improved over the series the quality of the show generally speaking reduced <laughs> dipped yeah dipped a little bit another kumail point him and murray bartlett i know i was be... i was just gonna bring this up because you asked about about armand last week yes so armand's gonna be in this chippendale series ordered by hulu it's about the creator of like the chippendales uh entertainment organization i guess yeah and uh it's yeah immigrants Murray Bartlett and Kumail Nanjiani are going to be in that. And then adjacent the White Lotus news, Aubrey Plaza added to season two. Oh, cool. So yeah. who do we have now? What's the roster? Like? I think just Imperioli and Plaza, I think. Okay, cool. Right. Imperioli. That was the guy I was forgetting. Yeah. They're going to, just like Knives Out 2, every week they're going to add one more person to that ensemble. And every time we're going to be like, oh, banging. That sounds good. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Throw these people together and see what happens. Right. Um, Final thing, went back to Hacks a little bit. Yeah, my folks watched it. My folks watched it and they seem to have like lukewarm opinions about it. I feel the same way so far. Yeah. Like generally like, yes, Jean Smart is really good, but like she just kind of zeroes into this character and then she's that character and like nothing is really that mesmerizing about it. As I said before, I just don't think the world needs this at all. No, no. So far, I agree. Yeah. Okay. I was oh. surprised that it, it got such a huge reception. Speaking of uh, comedy on Netflix, Aziz Ansari announced a new special January 25th. So it comes out like next week. Um, it's, it's called Nightclub Comedian. We don't know much about it. It was directed by Spike Jones, which is cool. Uh, and it's described as an intimate surprise event. And so that'd be an interesting gimmick if it's the audience is not an Aziz crowd, but it's his special and they just like 
are kind of like ambushed with an Aziz show. That's kind of neat. That is neat. Nightclub comedian. Huh. Or if he'll do like a persona or something, Randy. Oh, that seems like a million years ago, doesn't it? <laughs> it sure does. Randy. Wow. Was Randy from Funny People? It was. That's yeah. the origin of that. He was kind of doing it as like a gimmick before that. Yeah. Like, I think he was like doing it on like Conan and stuff. He's like, I got this guy, Randy. <laughs> we just go and do it. Uh, new Wes Anderson movie announced he's going to adapt the Roald Dahl short story, the wonderful story of Henry Sugar, and it's going to star Richard Iowati. And I'm really interested to see Iowati in a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, that seems like a good fit. Hmm. I'm interested to see him do earnest acting, frankly. And I know there's like a quirkiness, a silliness to Wes Anderson in general and Roald Dahl too. Um, we've talked before about the spiritual parallels between those two creators, but like they also have to have a lot of sincerity, those movies. Otherwise the, the quirkiness doesn't work. It's, it seems like ironic and, and kind of cynical, but like you actually have to care about the people. And so I'll be interested to see him as an actor. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And I wanted to talk to you about the genius trailer, which is this Kanye West documentary. Yeah, man. I'm like, I was trying to figure out if that's going to be like the next uh, last dance for me or if it's going to be like no. something that just kind of like lives in the background and isn't good. It's but like, I am genuinely interested in it. It's like Justin Bieber, Never Say Never or uh, Taylor Swift, Miss Americana. Like it's a, it's any one of these like really, really famous idols who get a Netflix documentary. I don't think it's going to be on the level of last dance. No, no, no I know. But but I also don't think like it will be like a Justin Bieber thing. I think it's going to be like just very layered. I don't know. I, I, I guess we'll have to wait and see, but like by Justin Bieber, I mean like it, it was propaganda. And I think this, this movie is too like the never say never documentary really served to show you that like, this is a little boy who's actually very talented and look how lonely he is. Like that's what that movie right. was really about. And so it's a documercial. Yeah, I think this is going to be a documercial. And I don't know if Kanye is a producer, but like the trailer, I mean, the movie's called Genius, right? And like in yeah. the trailer, they they show, they have this footage of him. And it's another documentary where you're like, how do they have this footage? Which we seem to have more and more of those lately. I'm growing very like conspiracy oriented about it all. Um, but uh, like they've got a, a clip of like 21 year old Kanye West saying, I'm a genius. And it's like, yeah, it's it's kind of in incredible but like does the movie serve to prove that he's right or that he's crazy or that he's like i don't know i guess it depends whether or not he's a producer on the film he probably is right and that changes everything although i guess jordan was a producer on the last dance or was he yeah he was yeah but but that changed stuff too it, and it, it wasn't it, all flattering either it wasn't all flattering but i think there was still stuff that they you know, stayed away from like the divorce and, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. Maybe extramarital. Uh, well, that'd be next time when they uncover a bunch more footage. The last dance too. I don't know, I don't know if we ever on. talked about the, the last episode of the Beatles get back. I don't think we did a podcast the week that I finished it. Oh no. It's, isn't it funny how high that roof was? <laughs> oh, that's a really good point. 
no one on the street could see it. They just heard the sound. Something like, I never really appreciated about the rooftop concert is that, and first of all, it's very cool that like they have this uh, reporter going around and asking people, do you know who that is? And they're all saying it's the Beatles. And like most of them are saying, yeah, they sound really great. This is cool. And a few of them are like, it's a bunch of racket or it's a bunch of noise. Um, it, never <laughs> occurred, to my show. it never occurred to me that nobody has heard any of these songs before. And so like, it's yeah. actually not a, really a concert because it's not like they're they're at the Beatles show. They're at a Beatles taping. And that's another thing I was too stupid to know is that it wasn't a concert at all. It's that like, when you hear Don't Let Me Down on the friggin' CD, it's from the rooftop. I don't know how it's I've, I've lived for 30 years without knowing that. It was a recording that's session. That's the only recording they had of it. That's so crazy. I, well, other than the 80 times it plays in the documentary, just not in full. Yes. Yeah, because then John would just start going like, The other notable thing about that is the cop, and I looked it up, is 19. I'm watching this thing he and I'm looks, like, he's a child. He's literally 19 years old. The balls on this guy to just be like, I'm going to go shut down the Beatles. He's this is too so, loud. He's, he's so needlessly hostile about it too. He, he looks like he's just so panicked on behalf of like everyone. <laughs> like I think the pressure was just on for him. And he was like, oh, I got to stop this. You're so right. So you're on a time crunch because you want to watch uh, Station Eleven. I am, I guess, out of uh, content, not a whole lot of news. Do you want to talk about shows? Okay, uh, I'm going to go first. Do you have a clock to put me on? Yes, I do. I think I'm going to recap the first episode of Abbott Elementary uh, because okay. I paid better attention to that. I watched them both this morning. I really didn't even know about this show. Like, I, I, you mentioned that we should do it on the podcast and I looked it up and I recognized, I guess I recognized the poster because I recognized Everybody Hates Chris uh, and I think I knew that he was in a show right now. But other than that, yeah. I haven't heard any like buzz about this. Um, but uh, I'll recap the pilot for you if you like. All right. Well, you're going to recap that in three, two, one. Miss Teagues has worked at Abbott Elementary for two years, and she's idealistic about uh, wanting to give her students the best learning experience, but it's kind of a zoo here. She has a student who pees on her rug, and she needs to get a new rug, but the principal is not very forthcoming with uh, budget, and at one point, she uh, makes a pledge to the school board and gets some money, but the principal spends all $3,000 on a new sign for the school, and then there's a meeting because she goes above the principal's head, and in the end, the other teachers come together, and they buy her a new rug. Yeah, they they kind of have a like a fell off the truck rug situation from the uh, right the stadium that's like being redone or something. Yeah, well, and the idea is that she's actually kind of a annoyingly naive and an, an annoyingly ambitious. And there's some other teachers who've been around the block for a little while and they've grown cynical and they don't really try to get what they're owed as educators anymore. And they find. Uh, I don't remember her first name. I just remember they called her Miss Teagues. They find her, um, Janine, maybe? They find her uh, irritating. And then in the end, they're like, no, wait, she's right. This principal is a Looney Tune. And she, she, it's not, it shouldn't be like a bad thing that she wants good things for her students. Um, right. The... The workplace comedy as a school, it's been done a few times. And I mentioned to you that I'd been watching uh, the one with, uh, with Glenn Howerton. AP Bio, which got canceled, by yeah. the way. I don't know if we ever talked about that. Oh, okay. Um, I found, I mean, I know that AP Bio was supposed to be like, cynical guy is made not cynical by 
these students who he actually learns to really like. That's also kind of a cliche. Um, but I still found AP Bio like kind of sarcastic. And I thought yeah. this show was not. I thought it was like actually very sweet. And I also like that it's a mockumentary. We had too many mockumentaries 12 years ago, and now there are none. Yeah. And I think this is a good format for it. I think so too. I think the first one, now I watched the second episode too. I will say there weren't quite as many laughs. Like I really wanted to laugh because I liked the first episode. I think it had like, you know, Parks and Rec style heart yes going into it and, and i even kind of find her to be kind of like leslie nopish totally like, yeah uh and i think that was kind of her her maybe like impetus for the character but um but yeah i i think it's got legs people seem to really be liking it like the ringer is kind of all over it there that's were, good like i've heard it on a couple podcasts um but uh yeah i'm I'm a fan. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that it's it's going to continue being good. Do you do you remember sending me the Glorious Bastards podcast with Seth Rogen? Yeah, the first the podcast, story. the one with uh, with Paul Rudd. Yeah, so it was it was Quinta Brunson talking about Paul Rudd. Okay, okay, thank you. So that's her. Thank you because I looked it up and she wrote the show. She created the show and she stars in it. And I'm like, yeah. I, I look up her IMDb and she's like been in a couple of Big Mouths. She was in a couple of New Girls. And I'm like, what do I know the name Quinta Brunson from? And it's that episode of yeah. Seth Rogen's podcast, which by the way, I stopped listening to Seth's podcast because uh, it stopped being interesting. But the first episode he ever put out is really good. It's a really good little radio documentary. And is that the one? The Quinta Brunson one? Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I listened to that one just like last week, weirdly. It was just, I, I was looking for a podcast, you'd sent it to me and I still hadn't listened to it. And yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I should uh, check in on this and kind of see what it is. Uh, and I like it. When they have a new version of Closing Time at the end of that episode and they've rewritten all the lyrics and it's like, that's the same episode, right? I don't think so. Maybe, Maybe it's I the second episode. Get to the end. Maybe it's the second episode, but like, I, I think it is. I think that there's, the idea is that Paul Rudd was no. Who else is in that episode? Anyway, it doesn't so matter. Paul, I don't think Paul Rudd actually like played a part in that episode. She's talking about how she met Paul Rudd at the movies. Oh no, Paul Rudd definitely turns up in that podcast. Oh, he does. Oh yeah. Okay, interesting. You didn't get to the right. end of it yet. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Okay. Um. Okay. Anyway, that's who. That's who she is. Okay. That's really great because I mean I was rooting for her anyway. I thought that was was really good. It's a network sitcom. It's on ABC. I can't remember the last time I was like psyched about a network sitcom. The only network show I yeah. watch is This Is Us. And by the way, we just watched the second episode of this season of This Is Us, and it's trash. It's like it's oh, no. a, a genuinely bad piece of television. I don't know how it made it through the This Is Us filters. I was going to ask you about that because I see trailers like when I'm watching football for This Is Us and I'm like, that show's still on? I feel like maybe it it's like... It is past its prime. Problem. It's past its prime. Okay. It's in its final season. It's in its final run. And so like I want to see it through and I think it'll probably finish strong because they have always said it was going to be six seasons. Um, but I mean, it's been a long time since it was like really, really good. Like, season two was like really good. And so I guess I've put in a lot of time just kind of liking it and not loving it. The yeah. acting is good. Every now and then they have like a piece of dialogue where I'm like, oh, wow, freight train. And more often than not, I'm just like, oh, give me a break. I feel like Milo Ventimiglia. Yeah, Ventimiglia. Yeah. 
Ventimiglia, he, I feel like he died so long ago, like like three Super Bowls ago. Yeah. And he he is still in. I'm like, well, that was a, a really um, hacky move to try to like get people talking about the show when well, he's still in the show. Not really, though, because the, the show is all about how this family rallied after their patriarch died. But it's also, okay. it's a show that exists over endless timelines, right? And so, like, right. it was always about before and after Jack dies. So, like, they, they kind of tell you that in the second episode of the of the show. is like, she's not married to Jack anymore. And then very quickly, you're like, oh, Jack's, like, dead. And so, they were going to show you how he dies eventually. But oh, okay. they, they never intended to kill him off. They are just going to show you when he died. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And it was like cool. pretty striking. It was hard for them to be as affecting as that ever again, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You can only go to that well so many times. Pretty good ensemble so on, on Abbott Elementary. They've got uh they've got the gal who plays the nanny in the parent trap, and I don't know the actress's name, but like she doesn't turn up in that many things. She's definitely most recognizable from the parent trap. And she's like the tough teacher who says to her students, a hundred dollars is called a C note. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was yeah, so funny. funny. Really good. Um, I guess that's all I have to say about it. Uh Tyler James Williams is the he's like the new teacher, even newer than Miss Teagues, and he's everybody hates Chris. This is a guy who's like never been gone for too long. He like turns up on these on these TV shows. He's pretty good. I don't know why we've never seen him in a single movie ever. But like he's yeah. he's pretty reliable as like a TV actor, I think. Totally. I think he's good in the show. Yeah. Super deep voice. It's famously tough to shoot stuff with kids. And this is just like, I, I think it's because of like union rules. Like you can't have kids on set for too long. Yeah. This thing is just polluted with kids. I don't know if they're going to downplay that after the pilot. Yeah. I'm trying to think of it. I guess most of the stuff tends to be like staff, staff room. They probably have like 10 kids on hand. Right. Or like maybe they just like cycle out different kids all the time. Like if they don't intend to make the students characters, they don't have to be the same kids. But like on AP yeah. Bio, like 12 kids are the main characters, plus also Glenn right. Harrison. Right, right, right. Yeah, that, I don't think the kids are going to be involved too much. Uh, I think the only thing that took me out of it was when the principal buys that sign with her picture on it. I was like, she, yeah. wouldn't, she wouldn't do that. Give me a break. They'd right. fire her. Yeah. Yes, they would fire. Yeah, it, it was a little overboard. But I do give the show my ass. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty good. I don't really get why it's called. I mean, I get why it's called Abbott Elementary. I don't think it's a very like catchy title. I think we could have done better than that. But I'm not sure what yeah. I'd replace it with. It's no Boston Public. Boston Public was a good name for a, a school show. I don't remember Boston Public. Oh, really? No. It was like. Uh... There were some kind of heavy hitters in Boston public. I think you should look up the cast after. I know like Michael Rappaport was in it and it was like a high school. It was kind of like a Friday night drama, Fox drama. That was like uh, high school in Boston. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. That was Boston public. All right. Um, You're going to recap the first episode of the MacGruber TV show. I forgot that this came out. Uh, you can do that in three, two, one, go. MacGruber is in jail for uh, killing Dear Von Kunt at his wedding. Um, he, uh, he is in jail. He's getting into prison fights, but the president's 
daughter and dog have been kidnapped and they call on MacGruber for a uh, exchange, basically a prisoner exchange to uh, free the daughter and the dog. Um, he teams up with his uh, his old uh, partners, Vicky St. El- Elmo and Brian mm-hmm. Philippi, although not really. And Lawrence Fishburne is now with uh, Vicky St. Elmo. He ends up being apprehended at the end. I know I'm over time. Wait a second. Uh, is he playing Ryan Philippi like, as Ryan Philippi? No, 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 no. He, I forget what his uh, character's name is. He he basically went to jail for two years because like, the story is like MacGruber sold everyone out at the end of the movie after he was the one who murdered uh, Dieter von Kunt. Okay. And so they're all essentially um, kind of like, we hate you, MacGruber, and see, also you're in jail. I never saw the movie. Like, like a lot of what? people, well, a lot of people didn't see the movie. It was a huge flop. And uh, I guess I remember the sketches, but I never saw the movie, and it, it's not like it goes around. And so I don't really have any basis of understanding for what's going on here other than that it's like a MacGyver spoof. But then, like, it's I, I think it's probably not also. Now, Maya Rudolph gives a pretty comprehensive background with the little song that she sings at the beginning, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah. And both actually, both songs are really good. My favorite part was Kristen Wiig singing that, like, jewel-esque like club ballad like the, i have this weird thing where uh when people like put a lot of effort into writing comedy songs i just end up thinking they're good songs earnestly and <laughs> like it does yeah. go off the rails at one point but like for the first two minutes of the song i was like this is actually pretty good and she really cracks me up when she gets off stage and she's like you don't think it was too short do you <laughs> <laughs> i missed that yeah so anyway, yeah, I didn't really I know what the what what was going on except for that. Like, I, I guess you don't really need to. It's just Will Forte being Will Forte. Gruber is one of the funniest movies. You, I can't believe you haven't watched it. I well, know, it, I know it wasn't big, but it's still like it's kind of become like a cult classic in its own right. Just by like, yeah, I I know it has, but it still surprises me that they were willing to take a chance on doing a TV show considering it was such a flop at the time. And yeah. I think they're probably starting to count their chickens because I don't think it's doing that well. And it might not be MacGruber's fault. It might be that like Peacock isn't doing that well. They don't really seem yeah, to be I in a position be of it. like being able to like take risks on things like MacGruber the TV show. Um, except for that it was like known that he had been working on it for a long, long time. So as somebody who... Uh, who gets the cult thing and really likes the movie, does the show live up to it or should they have just let it lie? Uh, no, I'm, I'm happy to go along with the show. I thought there were a few super funny things in the first episode, um, but it wasn't quite as funny as the movie. Like the movie was, was hilarious, but I, I think it had a lot of ground to cover. It's a lot more R rated than I expected. Oh Yeah. No, it's it's the most R like the movie is the most R rated like throat <laughs> throat ripping out. Yeah, that's his move, eh? He pulls out throats. <laughs> he's like, I want to get it in the movie. He's like, I forget what he calls it. He's like, he he wants to get a a turkey, and that's like a bowling term or something. <laughs> and so like it's like eight eight throats is a turkey or something. <laughs> it's like gobbling. Like, uh, man, you got to watch it. 
Well, I guess I will. I guess I will. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of Will Forte, and I was a huge fan of The Last Man on Earth. I think that's like one of the great unrealized series of our time. And I guess watching yeah. it now would mean something entirely different for obvious reasons. But like when I lived in like blissful, uh, uh, healthy oxygen, um, I really liked that show, and I was really sad when it didn't make it. Yeah, the first first couple seasons were great. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is one of those Showtime shows, though, wasn't it? We were talking about your, your Showtime curse. It did kind of last too long, and maybe it, it died of its no, own that was, bloat. That was a Fox show. Oh, okay. Did it maybe get, like, revived by Showtime or something somewhere? I don't know. No, I might be making that up. Isn't it funny that, like, most of the Will Ferrell stuff that he writes for himself, he makes him the most like unlikable character ever like with the least amount of redemptive quality that's definitely the quality in last man on earth like he's yeah yeah even as he like starts to meet more people he is just constantly being so so selfish and i I guess he's just like aware of a certain amount of like intrinsic likability or like he understands that we understand that like that it's not real or something because obviously he's still a lovable person but that's a really good point he made a return this (laughs) week um as the captain uh, in Seth Meyers' Closer Look. Do you know about yeah, this bit? Never, no, I, I, I don't. I, I saw the day drinking thing that he did with Seth, and I yeah. thought that was really funny, and he kind of did the captain shortly there. So before Seth moved back to his studio, and he did his show in like a series of different apartments, like he did it in his own place, his attic. He did it at his in-laws for quite a while. He was living with his in-laws. And he in, had in the background, they had this like weird painting of like a old sea captain it's just like a really weird like quirky painting that they have and they decided they'd put it in the background and so they the show got really weird in a hilarious wonderful way at the time and they would do this nightly routine where he would like talk back and forth with the painting of the sea captain they would like cornerly animate a mouth onto the the painting and it was very obviously will forte's voice (laughs) it was like it was always like very clearly will forte doing the doing the lines and Seth of course had COVID and so he's back doing his show uh, in isolation again yeah but he's at his own place and so what he has is a painting that a fan made him which is his own uh sea captain painting but she painted it of the sea captain with Rihanna who's famously like (laughs) Seth's big celebrity crush (laughs) oh okay I didn't know that and so he has uh Will Forte doing doing the voice of the sea captain again nice I should uh, I should try to like do a catch up on that. I haven't like, been watching a Closer Look the for the last for the last year or so because I I just had to get away from so much like uh, GOP exposure. Um, yeah. But I, I did watch it the other night and because uh, I hoped maybe the sea captain would be back and he was and I was I was pleased and amused. Amazing. Uh, the other exciting face we saw and this was Billy Zane. So it's my understanding that this character was Mickey Rourke. Is, does that come from the movie or was it just like a casting thing in the TV show and they had to switch him out with Billy Zane in the end? Oh, I forget. Maybe it was Mickey Rourke in the show. No, I don't, I don't think it was Mickey Rourke at any point. So Billy Zane turns up as the big bad in like the final shot yeah. of, and like I, I would love to see him play a super villain again. Yeah. I Titanic. Um, it's interesting that this episode centers around the kidnapping of the president's daughter because that's exactly where we are in our current watch through of the West Wing, like right when Zoe Bartlett gets kidnapped. And there's this whole three episode oh arc God. about like getting her back. And immediately I, it happens when I watched MacGruber too, which is a different tone. 
Whoa, that seems so outlandish for a, a Sorkin show. Well, it's right as Sorkin leaves the show. And so okay. he basically gotcha. he basically writes Zoe getting kidnapped and then he leaves the show and he leaves them to figure right. it out. And what's crazy is like Sorkin never watched the West Wing again. So he just like wrote Zoe into kidnapping and just like never found out what happened to his character because he's such a weirdo. Wow. Yeah. Doesn't even know what happened. So do you give MacGruber your ass? I realize it's probably kind of difficult to. I'm not sure if you found it funny or... I did find it funny periodically. And I like a lot of the people in it. I don't give him my ass based on the show. And maybe the problem is I haven't seen the movie first. I mean, obviously I saw all the sketches, but the sketches were so formulaic. And totally. like, And so they were funny and I guess I got it. But like, you, can, you can't really compare an SNL origin sketch to the movie that it evolves into. And famously... Uh, SNL sketches that become movies don't do well, whether they're good or not. They very rarely do well. Um, and it's been a Wayne's long time. Wayne's World was probably the last like huge hit. Right. And was it a hit or is it a cult classic also? No, I think it was a huge hit. Yeah, it probably was. Yeah. Um, you give it your S. What's that? Do you give it your S? I do. Yeah, I, I do it like I, I just ride for McGruber. Like sure. I like what they did with the movie, and uh, and I think that there's you know space for one season of the show with like Yorma Ticone running it in the background and and Will Forte being involved. I wonder if we're gonna get another thing from the Lonely Island. Like I know that they like quietly produce everything Andy's involved in, and like so mm-hmm. I think they were all a part of Palm Springs. But like yeah. I think back to pop star. Never stop, never stopping. Like that was the last time. Like the three of them made something scrappy, and that was a great movie. Yeah. Well, Bash Bros, I guess, would be the thing after that. Oh sure, but those are really like small. Those aren't like big leaps. Yeah. Those are kind of like little yeah. indie things for comedy nerds to find. Yes. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, like you know, Seven Days in Hell, and uh, um, that's what I'm talking about. Like that's not on the level of a movie in the theaters. No, maybe I'm no, expecting never too stop, much. Never stop, never yeah. And also, that but movie was kind of a flop as well, and had to kind of find a cold audience afterward. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think they might all maybe want to do kind of their own things. Okay, so a couple of Will Smith things. Uh, first things first, the Bel Air trailer came out, and yes. while it does look a little self serious, I'd be lying if I said it didn't also look kind of good. Is that a fair assessment? Totally fair assessment. I think it it uh, there is a place for Bel Air to do well. I just hope that it doesn't forget the fact that it is the whole thing in premise is a gimmick. So like, don't yeah. don't take yourself too seriously now. It's it's the OC if uh, Ryan was more of a cool trendsetter. It is the OC. That's a good point. It feels very much like that. Yeah, I never thought of the OC as a serious version of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but it is kind of like that. Neither did I. That came came all at the same time, but I'm, I'm happy I came up with it. Uh, California, here we come. And That's right. The other more important Will Smith news is that he... Jason like, Schwartzman, the drummer on that song. I, I don't know if we've talked about that. Yes, before. we did talk about that. Phantom Planet. Okay. Phantom Planet. Yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, a whole generation will never hear anything else from that song. Other than like that's right. those, not that you would, because that's California, exclusively born and raised. <laughs> exclusively what that song is from, really, is the OC. But like, it definitely harkens back to uh, a cemented era. A more important Will Smith thing is that he farted on someone. I think, and I forget the details. But you and I texted about it. 
so yeah, we uh, we were off a little bit uh, from that happening. I think it happened the day after we did the show show last week. Um, it was for whatever reason. Will Ferrell will will. You did that with Will Forte Will a second ago, and I didn't correct you. But we're talking about Will Smith, who you can't trust. Will Smith. Will Smith. Yeah, the guy you can't trust. Right. Um, Will Smith was stretching in the Miami Dolphins facility for some reason in the locker room and he was like foam rolling his arm and getting real relaxed obviously yeah and he broke wind on camera and he was like sorry sorry about that and i mean you can't hate on him but also like if you're in a room with them you're you're probably trusting him to not fart yeah you're also putting them in like a really uncomfortable situation because like you don't really hear people accidentally fart that much in this life and so like if somebody like will smith does it what are you supposed to say yeah. He put a lot of pressure on them. Yeah. I think you go over and you punch him like you do with your buddies. Well, especially since like it's a locker room and there's precedent for that. Mm-hmm. Like you pound on the you kid who farted. The towel. That's right. Yeah. You haze him. Yeah. He's Will Smith after all. <laughs> haze him. <laughs> never trust the Miami Dolphins, maybe? Yeah. Never trust the Dolphins. They went on an eight game winning streak and they still didn't make playoffs. Yeah. So that's, that's what I meant. Game. I meant specifically for that reason, which I was aware of. Yeah. They had to fire their coach, Brian Flores. Is that why Will Smith was there? He was auditioning to be the coach? Yeah, I said audition. <laughs> he was auditioning. That's how much I know about sports. He was auditioning <laughs> to be the coach. <laughs> His biggest, he was he was going to be uh, like King Richard style playing Brian Flores at the made for TV movie two years ago. We back. saw this movie where you played uh, a real sports enthusiast called King Richard. Will you come be our coach at the at the Dolphins? He was telling everyone to not get concussions in the locker room. (laughs) (laughs) He pulled out his neuralizer and he wiped all their memories. California, here we come. Never trust Will Smith. Never trust Will Smith. Never trust Will Smith.